Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Current Affairs Podcast with Will and Ben. Hello Ben. Hello Will. This is our weekly news discussion podcast, where we bring to you high-end discussion of the biggest news stories of the week, and a couple of the more wacky, wild side of life kind of stories. We will also be answering a couple of questions from you, our loyal legions of followers. You can find us basically everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you type in Purple Radio, you'll find us there. And we also go live every Thursday at 2pm on the Purple Radio station. So Ben, what do we talk about this week? Uh, I thought... Here's my mic on. I feel quite quiet. Um, Your mic is on. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. If I was to put it all in one word or one name, should I say, I think each story concerns Boris. Uh, We're going to start off by looking at the birthday cake scandal. Um, We're going to be building on what we touched on last week, where we talked about the the growing scandals that he's been in involving having parties uh, during lockdown, during COVID. We're then going to be going on to the Prime Minister's authorisation of an animal evacuation in Afghanistan in the fall of Kabul before going on to discuss the cost of living crisis and then of course we'll be touching upon some more funky as Will says wild kind of life stories side of life kind yeah. of stories wild, side of life. <laughs> wild, wild kind of side life um, we'll be looking at the mafia potentially um, potentially a, a potato it'll be a, be, a, be a, a potato <laughs> I can't hear my mic uh, you are you I are coming you. out. I you can't are. hear me at all. You you are. Speak, speak. Oh, you, you're definitely louder, there. We go. All right, fine. Right, don't worry about that, everyone. We're just yeah, you know teething issues. Season four, yeah, yeah. episode two. Actually, so is a go. Anyway, Ben, how's your week been? Briefly, it's been so busy. You can hear it. In my voice. I'm, I've just been working nonstop. I'm so tired. I've, I've got so much work. How about you? <laughs> Yeah, but much the same. Uh, much the same. Third year being being at uni, it's not it's not as fun as it used to be. We are quite low energy at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's been. I'm so tired. We haven't done anything fun for about four biz four four business yeah, days. Yeah, the longest fun. I've been without fun, and it, I feel I feel like I'm in business mood. I feel I, I'm getting so much work done. Like it's great, but I, uh, it's weird. It's a change. Yeah, I feel. Oh well, we'll that will all come mm. crashing down on Friday night. But let's hope so. Let's hope so. Anyway, hope so. end of the week. Moving on to our first news stories. Now, obviously, we talked about the Partygate scandal extensively last week. However, there have been new developments. Not as many as we thought there would have been, but there have been some new developments. So, since last week, there have been revelations that the Prime Minister was given a birthday cake and his aide sang happy birthday to him on his birthday birthday. I'm going to see how many times I can say birthday. In June 2020 of last year. On his birthday. The reports are that on his birthday, later, yeah, his birthday. a few family friends lastly were invited up to the Downing Street flat. Now, to provide you with the context for this, at the time in June 2020, the rules were that you were allowed to meet up to six people outside. So this would, again, be a violation of the then-existing lockdown rules. Uh, Immediately following on from this, the Metropolitan Police, specifically the Chief Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, Cresta Dick, announced that there would be a... uh, that that she was going to launch a police investigation into the breaking of these rules, because they fulfilled her four criterias. Um, We're waiting for Sue Gray's report. 
Uh, oh, and it's the first time a prime minister might be or is going to be investigated by the police or have sort of be interviewed by the police or whatever since the cash for honours scandal. So that's quite interesting. Talk us through the, the, that scandal. So this was a scandal in 2006-2007 under Tony Blair where yeah. he was accused of um, encouraging Labour Party donors to, to provide them with loans instead of uh, donations so that they wouldn't have to record them on the to the electoral commission and in return for that uh, the labor party whilst in government at this time uh, issued peerages to said donors now the difference here is that blair was only questioned as a witness not as a suspect under caution and said that if he was questioned under caution as a suspect he would resign but he never was he actually did resign like that year but anyway yeah, you know yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for different reasons um but the question is will boris do and say the same what do you think about this ben oh i mean it comes off a busy busy month for the prime minister just constant allegations um yeah there's a lot of different stories so obviously we've had i think i've read something about the environment secretary george, george eustace uh who denied so the reports were saying those people gathered in the cabinet room he said the number of staff present was quote closer to 10 and he said quote as well it was literally just a birthday cake brought in at the end of the day um but i think that what 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 has been noticed is that downing street are now weighing in a lot more than they used to they just started off by going yeah it didn't happen nothing happened nothing happened nothing happened and then they sort of were like oh it might have happened but we're going to confirm it after the reports come out and then, then they said sue gray a lot sue gray report 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 whereas now they're giving their own side of the story sorry my seats massively recry <laughs> um, he's struggling over there yeah. i can see that's that's um, the sorry yeah, everyone. So we're seeing we're seeing downing street perhaps giving a weighted side of their story um perhaps their effort to try and balance it out in the media um Definitely the whip somewhere there, or the party spin man's got involved trying to make sure this story doesn't throw him off too much. Uh, Keir Starmer, of course, always weighing in, saying that Boris Johnson has to go, saying, quote, he's a national distraction and he's got to go. Um, but the big thing, will he resign? Uh, probably unlikely. Uh, we're still waiting for the Sugar reports, which he said he won't really comment on anything that's happened until that report comes out um and and for now apparently and bbc's quoted only a handful of mps have written to the chairman of the 1922 committee uh and for people who don't know what that is that's the uh the chairperson of that would be the person you'd write to if you were to issue a sort of letter of no confidence which would trigger a leadership election if the 54 threshold was met was met um, yes it's been quite a fiery couple of days in the Houses of Parliament. I mean, on, on Tuesday when the birthday cake uh, scandal came out, a lot of Tory MPs were getting quite cross, actually, they were saying. There was one, this guy called Sir Edward Lee, I think he was thinking himself to be quite ch Chilean. He's a prominent uh, back Tory backbencher MP. He, he stood up and basically said, he said, As Europe stands on the brink of war and we have a cost of living crisis why is this house concerning itself with birthday cake <laughs> which i thought was quite funny and then in prime minister's questions yesterday um lloyd russell moyle look lloyd yeah lloyd russell i got anyway lloyd russell something or other um said uh that said that he would rather be governed by a lawyer naming Keir Starmer, yeah. than a liar so he called oh. Boris Johnson a liar, for which he was apprehended and forced to withdraw.
by the speaker. So yes, it's been a feisty couple of days in Parliament, but we're just we're basically everyone, right? We're waiting for this report. So we're going to stop talking about this now yeah. until the Sue Gray report comes out because that is that's actually going to cause like like an actual change in this story because at the moment it's a lot of speculation a lot of Tory MPs going well I fully support the Prime Minister and but we'll have to move the report and Labour going he's got to resign but we're going to move through you know and it's, it's getting quite annoying so we're going to park this and unless sort of the Prime Minister resigns until the Sue Gray report comes out I think that I is think that's entirely fair that is the there's not much more we can add I, I'm, I'm as excited as um, I'm on the edge of my that's my view this report. and I'm sticking to it so we're going to we're going to stay anyway moving swiftly on yeah to another controversy surrounding the prime minister do you want to yes. give the rundown on this or shall I uh, your decision it's quite a complicated one it's been going off quite well uh, feel free to weigh in I'll, I'll, I'll add mine but you can add yours uh, let's do it basically he's been accused of lying um, about emails uh, that suggest he, he approved the Afghan dog rescue so for a bit of context uh, during the fall of Kabul last year uh, obviously, the government was scrambling to try and get as many uh, British nationals out, trying to get armed forces out, trying to get people who'd supported the British uh, and support the propped up uh, Afghan government um, before the uh, b before it was overthrown. Um, and and as a part of this, uh, there's some emails come out that that claim one of the claim that that demonstrate that foreign Commonwealth and Development Office officials. Uh, recognize that the PM authorized a rescue of um, some dogs and cats from a British charity. Uh, the charity was called Farthing? Wait, hold on. What, what was the charity called? Farthing? Uh, I don't know what charity called. Farthing? Pen Farthing is the name yeah, of, them, yeah. of, the, of the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so first from a, a, a first, both from Foreign Office officials. Uh, so two have come out with this. Uh, the first claiming that the PM approved it. The second uh, and I can quote a second, saying, in light of the PM's decision earlier to evacuate, and then that follows to say the animals. Uh, so both uh, demonstrate this, but the big problem is the PM denied ever having done this in December. So all this has come out quite recently, and yet the entire time the PM has said he's had nothing to do with it. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, yeah, so the charity, this charity is called Nowzad. Yes. This Justin. Um... And yeah, it's the the to do with the evacuation of Kabul, but that's not the really the key point. As Ben Riley said, is that the government, well, the prime minister has been accused of lying, as he said he he had no involvement of this beforehand. And this email um, from Zach Goldsmith's office mm, mm. seems to confirm that he did. Now, the government are defending the prime minister on this on the basis that saying. It says the PM has approved this, and that is often a turn of phrase that is used to say that it's been approved by a higher authority. So it could be entirely plausible that that someone lower down the chain within Ten Downing Street has approved this, because you know, uh, as important as this kind of thing is, it's not. It's usually not an issue. I think that would distract the Prime Minister. Um, and they said the PM has approved this, but the PM never actually saw it. So it could, and I think, personally, the most likely solution is that it's not a barefaced lie from the Prime Minister and that it's just a a misunderstanding. But it still doesn't look great. So um, we are all, all, all shall be revealed on that one. And the government's also been accused of putting animals before people yes. on this, which, which again, uh, isn't 
a good thing, according to most of the public. No, no. Well, um, well the charity, the charity's come out and said uh, that they, they did manage to rescue 150 cats and dogs, um, and this was through money they raised. And, and the charity have actually said, uh, where have I written it down? No UK military capacity was used. This was entirely done. They came up with one of the last charter flights. I think. I think they. I heard on the radio it was. It was. One a minister said it was literally the last flight yeah, out of I, Afghanistan. I think, it might, I think you might yeah. be right. But yeah, but it is. It is interesting. Um, like a lot of people couldn't couldn't get out. Um, and 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 yeah, I think a lot of the pressure from some groups has come out. Why have we prioritised? Cats and dogs over the people who are supporting the the democratically elected government. Why are we not supporting the people who championed human rights who are still there? Um, all this stuff. So, particularly um, particularly when one looks at sort of how awful the situation of is in Afghanistan, with the reduction of sort of aid that came from the Taliban takeover. Um, uh, Afghanistan is is said to be now on the way to becoming the world's worst humanitarian disaster. People people are having to sort of sell their kidneys and their children and such like to feed that, yeah. themselves. Ninety five percent of the population of Afghanistan are in poverty, uh, are not just in poverty. Sorry, um, are going hungry, are below the the hunger yeah. threshold. Um, so it's a terrible terrible situation, and we will we will keep a close eye on it here at Current Affairs Studios. Brilliant. Um. Should we should we skip on to uh, an issue perhaps closer to home? Slightly more so than, but people. still affecting the rest of the world. Shall I try you, and you you you, you weigh in? So the, so uh, alongside the Partygate stand scandal um, uh, and the sort of perhaps imminent invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Yeah. The third major issue that the country is facing at the moment is the cost of living crisis, which we did not discuss last week at all, I don't think. So, oh, yeah. so um, in December, CPI inflation rose to 5.4%, which is a 30-year high, and it's predicted to hit 7% in the spring. Uh, this, combined with the removal of the energy price cap, or the alteration of the energy price cap in April, which will push fuels, fuel bills up to a predicted £2,000 per year per household, uh, is going to contribute to one of the worst cost of living crises in this country to... Um, uh, for generations. The main reason for this inflation is the rising price of... Uh, global energy. This is happening globally, resulting from a cold Europe winter, which meant that supplies dropped because people were using more fuel. A windless summer, apparently, which meant we were not able to replenish those supplies. And an increased demand from Asia, particularly China, for liquefied natural gas. Supply problems and higher shipping costs are also continuing to hurt businesses, driving up costs and just causing inflation and unaffordability for lost people in this country but also around the world. So yeah, that's quite a quite a situation, Ben. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. That, was, that was good. It, it, I think you make a really good point there about um, like supply lines and stuff. I think I read an article this morning about how Particularly, it's impacting uh, impacting British industry, uh, so they can't get access to. I mean, the price of goods, particularly the price of uh, imports, and most notably the price of energy, is hitting uh, Britain's manufacturing sector. Um, so the CBI 
uh, one of the top leading business lobby groups have said that this is one of the key bottlenecks that's holding back British business. Um, and it is such a change because uh, I was also reading that inflation uh, this time last year was running at just less than 1%. Um, and I think the Treasury, the British Treasury, has set the goal for the Bank of England. Is it the Bank of England or the Central Bank? The Bank be, of England. The Bank of England to be the... Uh, to be a, Inflation should be capped at 2%. Um, so for it to be 5.4, as the ONS revealed, um, I think just over a week ago, wasn't it? Because, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is quite interesting. Labour pointed out that this will be, quote, a triple whammy. As families will have to pay more for pay more for higher taxes, higher energy bills, as you mentioned, um, but also the wages are failing to match this increase in the cost of living. Um, and this happened a lot. We saw a lot of this last year with the failure of lots of delivery groups to attract HGV trained drivers. Wages just weren't meeting what what that sort of skills workforce needed. Wages on the whole across the UK have, have, have stayed very, very low compared to the rise of inflation. Um, but yes, and the same, the same is occurring in the US. The Federal Reserve has indicated that the increase in interest rates will occur as inflation there continues to rise. Um, so it is... Yeah, it's... it's it's interesting. We we have actually discussed this before on our show. Can you? Uh, no, it's all right. It's all right if you can't remember when it was. It was. Um, it was when we interviewed Robert Buckland, and he raised this issue because he he made this sort of interesting historical point that um, that we have not seen high inflation levels of this kind yes, right. since the seventies. So, in fact, he went made the point that he was a child. Yeah, the last yeah. time this kind of well the eight seventies well, and eighties, and this that this was the kind of thing, this this kind of thing was happening. And obviously, we've lived following on from the two thousand eight economic crash. We've lived mm. through an era of extraordinary low interest rates, yeah. base interest rates from the Bank of England. So, sort of the economic, um, the, the economic situation that we've taken for granted for a couple of decades now, with regards to the money supply and such like is is being thrown off course and maybe yeah. thrown off course more permanently so that is an interesting development that again we will keep our full attention to here at current affairs <laughs> in corporate do you think oh hello my mic's actually up again um rishi sunak he's he's a man who's built i think a fair sense of a fair a bit of credibility often. a bit of credibility he's, he's, he, i think he's presented himself as quite a sensible man um, and someone who's relatively well liked by amounts of the British public, especially compared with Boris, um, I'll try and find a p approval rating. He is about a fifty-five percent approval rating. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what's the PM on? A negative forty or something. Really? Yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Well, do you, well, this is this is an issue with the Treasury. Do you see this as something that's potentially going to harm? Rishi Sunak's image and a lot of the British public who, who so far have seen him as quite a sensible spender. Well, it depends what role Rishi Sunak is playing in the government by the time we get <laughs> to April <laughs> 2021. Not to, not to make any not to speculate. political predictions, but obviously the there may be a certain vacancy down the road from old Rishi down from number 11. that he may want to... I'll see what you get out may want to be uh, no no um it could harm him i mean rishi sunak has been chancellor during a period where his job has been to borrow mm. and pump money into the economy with the furlough scheme and such like in order to keep it afloat during the pandemic so it would be a different challenge for him i mean he rose to the challenge i think by all accounts of 
yeah. of COVID. The economy is now doing better in terms of growth and employment than it was before the pandemic. Yeah. And there wasn't the mass unemployment and mass hysteria that people thought there would be. Um, this long after. Yes. So he, he appears to have succeeded. So this could be... But well, obviously, all political right. careers end in failure, don't they? But I think Rishi's maybe just beginning. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. We wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to speculate on any hypothetical leadership no, 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 contests no, no. in the Conservative Party. That would be most rash <laughs> for us to do. But no, yeah, maybe, maybe Rishi's credibility. He'll have to. If he's still Chancellor by that point, he'll have to. Um, it'll be a different challenge for him. It will be about trying to reduce the money supply as opposed to better it's all quite complicated um should we move on to some wacky news i'm feeling some wackiness go on so you do the first do 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 it's the godfather theme tune that was sorry i did the love theme by accident um but i meant to do the main tune um so no this is this is our first wacky wacky stories um so a Sicilian mafia fugitive by the name as by the I name of this. Giacino Gamino. I think it's Giochian Giochino. No, Giacino. Giacino. Oh, yeah, you're right. Actually. Yeah, don't question me. Giacino <laughs> Gamino. Um, Please, our Italian listeners, do correct. Yeah, us yeah, do wrong. correct. Us. Uh, who was on the run for nearly twenty years has been caught after being spotted on. Google Street View. The man was found in Galapagar, yeah. a town near Madrid, uh, uh, and there was a picture of him chatting outside a fr- fruit shop on um, on um, Google Street View. And the police were able to use that to track him down and apprehend him after twenty years of run. He's quite a serious bloke. This guy. This guy is like escaped from prison. Like yeah, he's a proper yeah, yeah. badass this gangster. Is this man. He's, he's, no, he's no low-level mafia. No. Man. What I love is that after his arrest, he reportedly told the police, quote, how did you find me? I haven't phoned my family for 10 years. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't a gangster. Maybe he was just trying to, I don't know, get away from the uh, missus or something. He took it too far. But no, this but is... hilarious. He's just, he's just lent up against the wall, just having quite a nice conversation outside. El Huerto de Manu. But um, surely he saw like the the Google camera, like that's true. It's quite. Oh, uh, this is this is the next question. Are you on Google Maps? Have you found yourself on Google Maps? Me, my face. Me, yeah. No, I uh, don't. I'm on Google Maps. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in Durham on Google Maps. Are you actually? I'm outside of Durham. I was doing a driving lesson where I'm behind the wheel. I remember like, looking in the distance, thinking that's a really strange looking car. It has like this big stick on its head. The round thing, and I was like, as I got closer, I was like, that's the Google Maps car, and it yeah. came past, and I was like, and then it drove past, it yeah. blurred out my face. So, it didn't, yes. Um, what's your favorite gangster film? Uh, that's caught me off guard. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll listen uh, for you, Godfather One, Two, Three, <laughs> Goodfellas, Gangster Granny. Um, <laughs> that is a good one, Gangster, gangster Granny is a brilliant film, yeah. and a book. Uh, um, mafia films. Uh, uh, I can't say the other ones. I've seen Godfather One. That's better. Uh, What's the Scarface? There you go. James Bond. James Bond. Uh, Counts the mafia. There's, well, uh, Le Chiffre is definitely a gangster. Yeah, Spectre. Gangsters. Someone. Mafia. They are technically gangsters. Yeah. I'd say. I'd say. It's uh, not math. Fine, fine, fine. But but it's a good Godfather One was good. I enjoyed it. Why? 
Probably, I see instantly. I'm a big gangster film fan, but yeah. Godfather One probably yeah, actually hit. It's like the old classics from like the 50s you, in New York and stuff. Like yeah, proper like Al Capone stuff. Yeah, yeah. Are you into that? You're talking to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in my pot? Yeah, you come to my house in the <laughs> day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, that's good fun. <laughs> I like those. But yeah, Godfather One is actually instantly my favourite. So good, uh, good choice. I saw it in Hong Kong whilst you're all <laughs> whilst you're all in pandemic. You know, stuff was open in Hong Kong. I went to a. Because nothing was coming out, so theatres realised we have to show stuff, otherwise we'll lose business. So I went to a 4K remastering on the big screen of uh, Godfather, which nice. was really, really nice, actually. 10 out of 10 would go again. Good. Um, Good. But yes, that's my first one. I haven't seen the rest, so we'll see. We'll see. Continuing on our, on our criminal theme. Yes. We've gone rogue. We're, we're hopping from we're Spain to podcast. Cyprus, yes, so keeping it Mediterranean as well. Uh, so, go on, potato. Potato. So, no, a replica potato has been chopped down from its stand at around three thirty a.m. on New Year's Day. This was nicknamed the Big Potato. Brilliant. And it's in it's in somewhere in Cyprus. I've actually written it down. Um, it's in the for me. It was in the village of Zylafagu. Xylophagu have lost uh-huh. their giant potato, and it is called this about four thousand words of damage. Um, it was chopped down for whatever reason, and you know it's it's it's. It, 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 I'm sure it wasn't a very crisp day when it was. <laughs> I think it's really driven a wedge between different members of the community. You'd hope the villagers would chip in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, so well, they must have been in quite a bit of a mash because around three thirty a.m. was when they sliced and diced it down. Um, I've been to Cyprus before. I got absolutely fried by the sun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it's been a long day. Right. Good. Good. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything? We got, I must say to our listeners, I want to say something here. We actually, this is 100% true, we, we came up with all those puns on the spot. Yeah. They were not pre-planned. <laughs> just, just, just to be totally aware, you can come and look at my computer screen. I've got, yeah, I've got so, something else up. So, so. Big potato. Um, but anyway, so yeah, potatoes come down. Everyone, um, chip in. Okay, yeah, we've done that. We, we, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of some more. Just quote the ones we've What's done. your favourite type of potato? Roast potato. I Roast swear potato. we've had this yeah, question yeah. before. <laughs> I, that's, that's so weird. I think we've talked about this before. You know the podcast is in this fourth season where yeah. we're really scraping the potato. Yeah. Mine's crisps. Time. Anyway, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, and we're going John. to finish with a couple of questions from our from our loyal legions fans. Yeah, current on. So actually, we this is good. So we have a question from our fellow podcasters. Yes, uh, uh, it's probably the the most. Well, how do I phrase this? It's probably the best question re- related to the political elements of our show we've had in maybe six months. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, it so it's um, what are our thoughts on Durham University's follow up actions on? south college protests now i am not i must say i don't know about you ben i am not entirely up to speed 
with what's been going on. I know that the background to this is that at the end of last term, a controversial journalist, Rod Liddell, was invited to speak at a South College Christmas, the South College yeah. Christmas formal by the principal and made some comments that upset a lot of members of the students and wider community at South College. I think in response to this, the university launched an investigation. Yeah. Am I right? And this, the recent protests are as a result of the fact that the university have not yet published the report or no, there's a lack of transparency i think from the university yeah well there was, there was that statement remember anthony from vc anthony long put out something shortly after in which he was a bit uh, no displays man he, he didn't say a lot he said a lot but it was a lot of words it was about half page long but nothing was done he just basically said the university values free speech and sort of backtracked and, and gave the UD leeway, which I think was a bit silly. Um, and then he also said that this review would not be done in public and said the outcome will not be, you know, coming out anytime soon. Uh, right. So I think, like, the, what Durham... Like, it's, a, it's a situation which clearly had a big response from the student community. There, were, there was a walk out there. There was those huge protests. Uh, I think it was like a sit-in or... I think they sat outside. In the cold, remember, this was December. Um, South College, outside their population. Yeah. Um, speeches were held, so a clear outpouring. A lot of societies backed it. There was a huge list of societies who uh, backed the response of protesters, and yet we've had very little from a university that, that claimed to be prioritising student satisfaction. Um, and I think that, I think transparency really is key. I think, regardless of what their outcome is, I think we, we probably expect it won't be much, uh, given Durham's record. I think a bit more transparency along the way, what they're doing, who's compiling the reports, what they could be there like standards what's going to be their critique what, what what's the criteria for, for moving with this man um i think a lot more transparency on the whole across the board would just yeah i mean like with the sue gray report i think that it's better that these things are are issued sooner rather than later i agree um, but we need to know the people and yeah, yeah. i think that, that that's that's our that's our view I, I, we yeah. wouldn't want to sort of uh, be sort of too um, bolshy either way on this, but um, bolshy. What's that? Like, you know, uh, like sort of hard line, full on. Oh, fuck. yeah. Well, yeah. No, uh, I think transparency is key, and yeah, it just needs to come out sooner. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, we need yeah, to. We yeah, need, right. to, we need yeah. to hear what they're saying. We're just. We're, we're, we don't want to get too too wrapped up in any. But anyway, okay. Well, that's our answer. There you go. Right, and the and the final question is is a slightly it's just it's very simple. It's um, cheese. Yes, <laughs> that's our other question. So, what do you have to say to that? Cheese. Well, we dedicated about half an episode to it last week. Cheese. Cheese. Well, I think I think I think shoe is. <laughs> Is um, it's become a cultural phenomenon. We'll give it that. Yeah, we, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the, the impact it's had on British British society is just immense. Cristiano Ronaldo posted quite a weird Instagram photo last night. Did he? He pictured himself like lying on a bed, sort of looking up with a camera through his eyelashes, saying like with his with his, like a weird hat on, saying, "Guess what I'm going to do next," and just left it at that. So no follow up. Anyway, if if, if anyone can if it. anyone can find out what Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> did next, please send it in. To, please send uh, it in and we'll report it. Podcast, uh, on, Instagram. on next week's 
on next week's show. We like to be the breakers of news. Anyway. I think that's everything. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, to the Current Affairs Podcast with Will and Ben. We will be back probably same time next week at 2pm. We will be a bit busy being third-year students for the next couple of terms, so it might be a bit hit and miss, but we will get you some good content that we can promise over the next few months. We wish you all the best. Thank you for tuning in, liking, watching, viewing, subscribing, um, and peace. See you later. See Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.